Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Brainwaves. Every two weeks, I, Ian McAllister, and my co-host, Jamie Adams, bring you the latest in tabletop gaming news. This is Brainwaves episode 109. And these are the headlines for the week of the 17th of October, 2022. Kickstarter replaces their CEO. The dragon grows a new head. And Hasbro goes renegade. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. The crowdfunding landscape has been changing rapidly over the last year or so. With the arrival of GameFound on BackerKit on the scene, the original crowdfunding platform Kickstarter has found itself with some new competition. This on the back of its announcement of plans to implement blockchain technology that saw many backers leave or threaten to leave the platform if those plans went ahead. Taking them into this potential new blockchain-powered future is Everett Taylor, the newly appointed CEO of Kickstarter. Everett comes to Kickstarter from the site Artsy, an online art marketplace. Tabletop site Dicebreaker and business site Fast Company have posted interviews with Everett Taylor, and there are some interesting pieces of information amongst them. Naturally, the conversation turned towards Kickstarter's blockchain plans, and that Artsy had started to sell NFT or non-fungible token art. We're going to read a couple of excerpts from that interview on this subject. When asked, Your previous tenure at Artsy saw the company begin selling art NFTs on its website, and it began tracking statistics regarding blockchain adoption within the art world. You have personally advocated for NFTs and the blockchain, or at least not taken a stance against them and their proven capacity to harm artists. How much of that history do you think played into Kickstarter's decision to choose you as CEO? Everett said, As noted in my interview with Fast Company, Kickstarter's exploration into what blockchain technology could bring to the future of crowdfunding is and will continue to be a project separate of and independent from our core work and platform. My priority is our community and improving our current platform to meet their needs, which means building on the kinds of platform improvements Kickstarter has rolled out over the past few months, including a new feature for creators to combat abusive behavior, pinned comments and alt text, fixing limited rewards, and a variety of improvements to comment moderation. The interview went on. It has been nearly a year since Kickstarter announced its blockchain intentions, and very little concrete information has been provided in the intervening months. Should you be viewed as evidence that Kickstarter's executives still have faith in blockchain tech adoption? As I mentioned before, my focus is the core business. Our exploration of blockchain is a very small part of what we do here at Kickstarter. To be quite frank, we didn't communicate our intentions clearly in the beginning. Not immediately turning Kickstarter into a blockchain or Web3 company, we just want to learn more and see how the technology can be potentially, keyword potentially, helpful or useful to our community someday. I will be transparent with our community through my tenure here. I'm here, always ready to listen, and I want our creators and backers to know that. Later on in the interview, Everett went on to say this. I believe that a lot of people's issues with Kickstarter's exploration of the blockchain are doing so with misinformation. I can honestly say that it's truly not tied to financialization schemes. We are a public benefit corporation. Our goal is not to make the most profit, but to have a big impact on our mission of bringing creative projects to life. This is not some strategy to make Kickstarter a lot of money. Our focus will always be to serve our community and tackle problems within the crowdfunding ecosystem. Of course, it's about making money. Well, indeed. I mean, CEO moves are nothing new. They happen all the time. It does tend to indicate a direction of travel for the company involved. Throughout the interview, Everett does emphasize that he wants to listen to the community and build a platform to serve creators and their backers first and foremost. But it is absolutely undeniable that he does have a background in Web3 technology and specifically NFTs and blockchain through Artsy. What that means for the actual future of those projects at Kickstarter, I don't know. 
Kickstarter are still to really firm up what their plans for blockchain actually mean. They haven't really told us how that's going to be beneficial to creators or backers. They put together that council earlier in the year, which includes lots of different sizes of creators to advise them on this kind of thing. But the general backlash against Kickstarter was that they didn't... The general feedback that Kickstarter got was that NFTs were unwanted and blockchain was unwanted on the site. So maybe they'll listen, maybe they won't. The hiring of this particular CEO tends to say to me that they aren't going to listen to that at all. Anyway, Jamie, talking about companies getting new... Uh, appointments? Hasbro has been on the lookout for a new senior vice president for the Dungeons & Dragons brand since June this year. They have now appointed Dan Rawson to that role. Dan has a background in the tech sector, having worked for Microsoft Dynamics as COO with previous jobs at Coupang, South Korean online marketplace, and Flipkart, an Indian e-commerce company. Dan's roles will include leading overall Dungeons & Dragons brand growth and profitability across digital, physical, and entertainment. Wizards of the Coast president, Cynthia Williams, said, Mr. Ross's e-commerce skill set and digital first experience will lend itself to continuing to support the growth of D&D Beyond alongside Dungeons & Dragons overall. Reacting to his appointment, Dan said, Leading D&D is the realisation of a childhood dream. I'm excited to work with Cynthia once again, and I'm thrilled to work with a talented team to expand the global reach of D&D, a game I grew up with and now play with my own kids. But we aren't quite done with the world of D&D yet. Lego is getting in on the Dungeons & Dragons game. On its ideas site, Lego offers chance for builders to create their own sets, which is then voted on by the public, which then gets shortlisted, and sometimes a few come out. Things, for example, like the Yellow Submarine from the Beatles film of the same name, or a jazz band, or a DeLorean from Back to the Future, complete with turny wheels and stuff. For the 50th anniversary of Dungeons & Dragons, they've reached out to fans for suggestions of sets that they could release that are personal to them, and have started a competition for suggestions. The competition will run until the 14th of November, after which there's going to be a fan vote phase. The judges will use that to determine which set out of the suggestions will get made. The winner will get 1% of the total net sales of the LEGO Ideas D&D product, 10 complimentary copies of your LEGO Ideas product, credit and bio in set materials as the Lego Ideas D&D fan designer and a prize package of D&D goodies. Hasbro has been doing gangbusters work digitally for, well, at least the last year or so. And even not talking about Hasbro Pulse, their own sort of pre-order site where HeroQuest went through, and now reaching out to one of the titans of the toy industry, Lego. This is a match made in heaven, I'm sure, for for Wizards of the Coast and for Lego, because let's face it, quite a lot of people might not want to buy individual miniatures of their D&D characters. They might just cobble them together out of Lego bits. I know how much some of these Lego idea sets generally go for. We're talking at least 40 British pounds. 1%? Come on, guys. Yeah. I mean, it seems a little miserly, but maybe it's not if they sell a lot of them. I don't know how many normal sets Lego sell. I personally know a lot of people who have used lego to run dungeons and dragons games and like jamie says they have been going gangbusters hasbro with their digital offering over the last year or so recently buying dmd beyond and bringing that into the wizards of the coast family and this is just another step on the domination of dungeons and dragons we've seen over the last sort of five ten years it's going from strength to strength really and lego is a huge global brand getting that name out there even more sticking with hasbro for a moment 
Renegade Game Studios, publishers of various licensed role-playing card and board games, has announced an expansion of its licensing partnership with Hasbro. Announced on the 6th of October, the press release says, Renegade Game Studios is excited to announce that they are in negotiations to expand their licensing relationship with Hasbro, a global branded entertainment company, to include best-selling games Access and Allies, Diplomacy, Squad Leader, and RoboRally. Starting in 2023, Renegade is working with Hasbro on plans to produce all versions of these brands for the hobby, mass, and speciality markets. The plans include a brand new site for Access and Allies, along with a world championship and fan involvement in selecting new themes to add to the line. Fans will also see new printings of staples for the line, as well as the return of some long out-of-print editions. Fans of RoboRally and Diplomacy can look forward to new reprints of these classics hitting store shelves soon. We are proud to work with Hasbro and thrilled to see the partnership thriving, explains Scott Gaeta, president and publisher of Renegade Game Studios. All these games are staples for gamers and some of the most well-known brands in the gaming world. Our team is excited to dive in and get to work. I mean, it's interesting to see such well-known titles as RoboRally, Access and Allies and Diplomacy passed to a new publisher. Hasbro, uh, just a reminder that Hasbro doesn't actually own Renegade, this is just a partnership. It does feel similar to the moves we saw Asthma Day taking with Fantasy Flight Games miniature and RPG properties where they moved them to Atomic Mass Games and Edge Publishing respectively. Uh, they're moving them to studios that are better suited to the products and maybe that's what's happening here with Renegade. They're moving those those particular properties to somewhere where they're going to thrive and get uh, new additions. As I said at the start, Renegade have a lot of licensed um, games under their belt, Power Rangers games and Transformers, various other licensed properties. So I can see more versions of those coming out uh, under the sort of Access and Allies Robo Rally con- collaboration. Is this one step towards potentially Renegade Game Studios becoming a slight subsidiary of Hasbro? Possibly. I mean, as, as I said, I'm pretty sure Hasbro don't own Renegade at the moment, but. I don't believe it's owned yeah. by Asmodee either. Yeah. No, I, it's an independent studio. Best of exactly. Studio. So I. Yeah. It's maybe. entirely possible. Yep. Again, it's all speculation. That's what we like to do here. A few updates before we move on to the rest of the news. The cheating scandal in chess will... Lights won't go away. Chess.com has released a report into the accusations against Hans Niemann, which concludes that he likely cheated in more than 100 chess games on the platform. It cannot reach a conclusion as to whether he has cheated in real life, usually referred to as over the board. They specifically addressed the Sinkerfield Cup match that started this whole scandal, saying, Despite the public speculation on these questions, in our view, there is no direct evidence that proves Hans cheated at the September 4th, 2022 game with Magnus, or proves he has cheated in other OTB games in the past. Now, cheating scandals have not stayed inside the confines of a chessboard. There have been a spate of cheating allegations in numerous sports. At a fitting tournament on Lake Erie in Ohio, USA, a well-known competitor was found to have weighted his fish with iron weights and extra fish fillets. In an article in The Guardian, UK, Irish dancing came under the spotlight for cheating, and in a recent high-stakes poker tournament, Robbie Jade Lou made an audacious call against Garrett Edelstein to scoop a $241,000 pot. Garrett was reported to have confronted Robbie, who later gave the winnings back to him. Victoria Corrin Mitchell, broadcaster and world-ranked poker player, said she didn't think there was anything up with the call. It was just a very, very lucky one. <laughs> just cheating everywhere, Jamie. Everyone's cheating. Everyone's cheating. I mean, as soon as large sums of money go on the table, this kind of stuff's inevitable, right? Someone's going to try and game the system a bit. 
But yeah, it just seems like there's cheating scandals everywhere right now. Oh, and a, a, a small reminder that the NLB conspiracy going on in chess is absolute and total speculation and nonsense. It's not a real thing. It didn't really happen. It's from a single article that's been constantly repeated in the news. It's not real. It's not real. Over the course of this year, we have reported many times on the fall of Dungeons & Dragons power couple Jameson Stone and Satine Phoenix. Well, it seems like they are hoping that you have a very short memory. On the 30th of September, an Instagram post from Phoenix on her own account said, To everyone that has shown such kindness, understanding and compassion, thank you. Your support shines above all. This was her first post since the Gamma Trade Fair back in June, just as all the news was breaking about her and Stone's behaviour. There have been three more posts since then, all about forgiveness, one saying she was sorry, but none taking actual responsibility for the horrible actions of her and Jameson Stone. We'll link to our previous casts about all this in the show notes. All I have to say about this is don't forget, do not give these people your money in any way or form, do not forgive them until they properly apologize, the industry should have nothing to do with them, and even then only with great caution. Totally a believer in forgiveness, but at the moment they still actually need to apologize for what happened, and that has not happened yet, and I very much doubt it's going to. Back in episode 102, we reported on the sad death of manga maker and Yu-Gi-Oh creator Kazuki Takahashi. At the time, the cause of death was not known, with his body having been found off the coast of the Okinawa Prefecture in Japan. It has recently been revealed that he died helping others in trouble. He aided US Army Officer Major Robert Borgo in rescuing three people from a riptide near a popular dive spot in Okinawa. Treacherous weather conditions led to him being separated from the other rescuers, not before he provided assistance. The thoughts of myself, Ian, and... I was about to say, no. The thoughts of myself and Ian are with the friends and family at this very difficult time. But it's good that the news has come out and the circumstances have been cleared up somewhat. And sticking with tragic deaths, unfortunately, it's our unhappy duty to let you know of the death of Chris Gabrielson during the SN Game Fair. Chris was the designer of Company of Heroes board game and the owner of the company producing the second edition of that game. In an update to backers of the second edition, his brother Brian wrote, We have tragic news. Our founder, lead designer and primary owner, Chris Gabrielson, passed away last weekend while in Germany attending the Essen trade show. This is something that no one can ever prepare for, much less a company like ours. My brother Chris will be greatly missed. He was one of my best friends and I can't even begin to describe how much he meant to me and my family. For BCG, he was the driving force and mastermind behind all of our projects. It was his passion, creativity, and quest for perfection that made the company what it is. Myself and Brian Green are the other owners of BCG, and we'll be handling any final decisions with the support and advice of the BCG team and this community. Our greatest wish is to deliver the game and honour Chris's memory. We do ask for your patience over these next few weeks as we bring Chris back home and put him to rest. We promise to be completely transparent with any of the steps we take, we appreciate the support and understanding. We'll keep you all updated as we move forward. Uh, thoughts of myself and Jamie are with his family and friends at this terrible time. The largest games trade show in the world, Essenspiel, has just been and gone, and the event seems to have gone off mainly without a hitch. It's a curiosity of the convention, however, is primarily cash-based, which has led to thefts at stalls in the past. 
Unfortunately, this year is no exception. We've only heard of one theft, but if there have been others, please do let us know. We'd like to boost the voices of those needing help, even on our little podcast. We're sharing the account of a Twitter user who is a friend of a person robbed. They reported on the 9th of October that Bernd Eisenstein had been robbed. He runs a small publisher called Iron Games. They had their booth looted to the tune of several thousand euros. There's an effort to raise money for the publisher at the upcoming PAX Unplugged. And there's a donation link that we are putting in the show notes. It's always awful when this happens. This is the only one we have heard of at this year's event. In previous years, Essen have, has had quite the reputation for thefts happening at booths. That is partly down to the necessity of a lot of uh, retailers having to deal in cash at the convention. It's just a cultural thing mostly, and I think there's some Wi-Fi issues with inside the convention center itself, so setting up sort of wireless hotspots for contactless payment, that kind of thing, are a little bit more difficult. But hopefully as time goes on, that'll be resolved, and there will be more digital payments taken up the con, and we will hear mostly the end of this kind of sorry story. But it won't. We won't, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some thefts at a big con like this, but yeah, this is the only one we've heard of this year. If you have heard of any others, like Jamie said, please do let us know. So we'd like to draw attention to those in need of some assistance. Announced earlier in the year, Gamma has recently awarded their Horizon Fellowships. This is an eight-month program designed to help newly established publishers and retailers. It connects them with industry mentors, access to grants, and various other resources to help new startups. Awardees receive a one-year complimentary Gamma membership, a $1,000 grant towards the business, complimentary booth space at Gamma Expo 2023, if a publisher and reimbursement of travel expenses to that convention and pro bono legal services through the fellowship. The recipients of the publisher fellowship this year are Alice and Jessica Hong of Fanban Games, Angelica Bello of Unknown Creations, Chrissy Fagerholt of EAP Toy and Games, Emily Willicks of Small Furry Games, Jamie Sabriol-Flez of Triple Rainbow Games, Jason Creighton and Peter Ferry of Factions Battlegrounds, and Peter Yang of Looking for Greatness. And the Retailer Fellowship has been awarded to Asia Black and Benjamin Lippi of Splendiferous Games, Adrian Brumet by the Board Games and Entertainment, Ali and Ryan Champion, Sheba Games, David Plamondon, Pei Mataway Games, Paola Gordon, Meeples and Beyond. Congratulations to all the recipients. I mean, to me, this feels like a good use of Gamma's resources, helping new folk establish businesses. I know Gamma has often come under fire from various veterans in the industry for not doing enough i think this is a step in the right direction what do you think jamie i think fellowship programs like these are very important and it's great to see such a wide variety of people i'll be honest it's great the more the wider array of voices we can get into the tabletop gaming space in a more prolific uh, position you know where you come from orientation religion everything let's make it a much more inclusive space and be the industry that people keep saying that we are as i as i keep banging on people always go oh we're so welcoming as an industry half the stuff that we've talked about tonight maybe not half but a lot of the stuff we've talked about is not nice people it's people being exactly the opposite we've reported on stories of people being racist with people start we've reported stories of people being appalling human beings and people keep saying the industry can be better well let's try and prove it this is a step in the right direction Agreed.
and people who aren't horrible and that we love love to bits are lovely lovely patrons thank you so much for continuing to support the cast especially james naylor and sean newman our executive producers put all links to james and sean's bits and pieces in the show notes you can join them for just one dollar a month by supporting us on patreon you'll get an extended version of the cast and a regular newsletter about what jamie and i have been up to and are going to be up to and there's various other ways to support us on there, including dice from Metallic Dice Games and lovely t-shirts from Sir Meeple. And we'd just like to say a fond farewell to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. They have just put out their last episode. Uh, they are good friends of the cast. We haven't s- seen them much in person recently, though we did catch up a little bit at Tabletop Scotland, which was lovely to see them all. Uh, and they're, they're sh- shuttering the cast. It's always a shame to see something like that go <laughs> go down. Jamie is currently saluting it on our video feed. Indeed, it's always it's always a shame to lose one of the members of the Scottish gaming media scene. But uh, hopefully, they'll be back in some form or another down the line, and uh, we'll be there to support them if they do. All the best, folks. Thank you so much for everything you contributed to the Scottish gaming scene over the years, and all your help, especially at things like Tabletop Scholars. You've been great. Yeah. To all the frogs, thank you so much. You've been absolutely amazing. Uh, thank you for giving me a job at Tabletop Scotland 2019, which meant I got to go for the first time. Ian is not happy about this, but I will never stop talking about it because Great. they were amazing. They have been amazing. <laughs> they are wonderful people and huge love to all of them. And I'm sure we'll still see them about in some form oh, yeah. or another. Stormire Games, publishers of such vaunted titles as Scythe and the cultural juggernaut that is Wingspan, recently ran a charity auction which raised $18,000. And that was matched in part by Stonemeyer Games themselves and Fulfillright, an online fulfillment company. The total amount raised was $29,289. The auction was run on BoardGameGeek and through various streamers and content creators. Now, the money raised goes to a variety of charities chosen by the streamers involved in the auction. Now, I'm just going to give you some of the, uh, some of the prizes, some of the, the, the lots, as it were, which include uh, a Viticulture wine crate with the new Viticulture world inside, a pack of gold metal wingspan eggs created specifically for the charity auction, and a nesting box with the newly announced Wingspan Asia inside, individually numbered 1 to 10. Not great to see a company doing that kind of thing. Uh, Stillmeyer has games that occasionally comes under a bit of fire for the, the slightly controversial but some opinions at times of their CEO, Jamie Stegmaier, but I also think he's a great a force for good in the industry. He tends to own up to his mistakes, as we saw in the not-too-distant past with the viticultural world issues. And yeah, it's great to see a company of this size giving back and putting some money out to charity. The Viticulture World issues that Ian was referring to was the inclusion of individuals like Christopher Columbus and Pizarro. Was it Pizarro or Cortez? Or both? I think it was both. Uh, in cards set in parts of South America, which of course, those Pizarro and Cortez led to, let's call it what it is, genocide against yeah. the native populations. Yes, I didn't mean to um, belittle the issues. No. Thanks very much for listening. If you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on your podcast app of choice. iTunes is particularly useful. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm mostly active on Twitter these days. You can find all our writings and podcasts on our website at giantbrain.co.uk. You can email us about anything in the cast or anything you might want us to cover. We'd love to hear about any job opportunities you have or events that you're putting on. 
give us a wee email and we'll highlight those events on the cast. And you can also join our friendly community on our Discord. We'll put an invite link in the show notes. You're most welcome along. Hope to see you there. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>